deadly wrong to deny any of your fellow Americans the right to vote in this country. Let it be that human rights are women's rights and women's rights are human rights once and for all. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. James Madison again at the Constitutional Convention. A president is impeachable if he attempts to subvert the Constitution. Are you fired up? Are you ready to go? Fired up! Ready to go! Welcome to Podgressive. Hey, John. Hey, Senator. How are you? There is a bit of news, but first I'd like to say it's National Best Friends Day, so publicly... I would like to wish my best friend in the entire world a very happy (laughs) National Best Friends Day. Midori Carpenter, if you're listening, Midori, thank you for being my best friend, my BS man. she is a good choice for best friend, so I can't be too upset with you. Mm -hmm. Can I be your best podgressive podcast partner friend? Uh, You're top five. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I was just thinking that about you, so. (laughs) Just kidding. You're my bestie on the podcast. So yeah, a bit of news. Quick update. I won a very special election on Tuesday. So this was the special election for state senate in the Missouri 17th. Mm-hmm. And it was, you were the Democratic candidate, uh, whom I was very proud to support, running against uh, Kevin Corlew, the Republican. And I believe you won in pretty decided fashion. Tell me about it. I think most of our listeners know, uh, especially if you lived in the Kansas City area, because you saw hundreds of thousands of dollars in TV about the special election. But I was especially touched by the people uh, who listened to the podcast and showed up to knock doors and make calls. I thought that was pretty cool and definitely a testament to the fact that you're not just trying to stay informed, but you're also participating in our political process and making a difference. So thank you to those people. This win was so, first of all, important. Uh, we needed this in our local area here in the Northland, but we needed it in Missouri more broadly. And frankly, I think there's a case to be made uh, to be made that the nation needed this. We needed uh, some good political news and for the trend to continue going in the right direction. And a 20-point victory in a district that's been held by Republicans since 2004, in which Donald Trump won just in the last election, I think is a testament not only to you and all the hard work you did and the amazing campaign and volunteers that made it happen, but it's also a testament to how ready people are to take our local area and our state and our hopefully our country in a new and better direction I think people have seen the experiment with Eric Greitens and Donald Trump, and they have decided that we can do better. And I'm really optimistic after seeing this amazing win and a 20-point win, Lauren. It's amazing. I'm really optimistic. So thank you for doing that for us, and not just here locally, but I I know everybody around the country is very grateful that uh, we got this kind of good news. I know this is sort of a politician's thing to say, but this one really belonged to the people. And 
I, again, am just amazed by the people who showed up after a long day of work to knock on doors and families who showed up on the weekends to canvas neighborhoods together. And I love and still look back at pictures of like babies with yard signs and babies with their I voted stickers. <laughs> um, because did they, did they vote? Then, Is that well, how you won? <laughs> did you get the baby vote? It was the baby bump. You know, it took me over the well, top. Well, nobody out there listening, don't tell the Republicans how, how, how we did it. <laughs> we don't want them to know. Chris Kobach will find out <laughs> That's right. start prosecuting babies. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really grateful for, for everyone. And then, at, you know, at the end of the day, people showed up and voted on June 5th, which is not... A, a usual day to vote. It's something that they had to put in a little extra effort and they made their voices heard. So I'm very grateful and it is pretty neat. And I'm most excited to go down to Jefferson City and continue to work on policies that will actually help families in their day-to-day lives. I'm excited about that too. I mean, it's it's just amazing. And you mentioned the people who turned out on, on June 5th, much higher turnout than expected. And a much higher margin of victory than than one would have predicted. And so I think the the takeaway from that is that, you know, the increase in turnout was Democrats or just people who want to take uh, uh, the state in a, in a new direction, uh, whether those people identify as Democrats or independents or even maybe Republicans. But that's where the increase was. There's there's definitely a lot of excitement out there. You know, I think that applies to your New Year campaign, and hopefully it applies to congressional races and U.S. Senate races and uh, everything else that's coming this November. We are not throwing away our shot. <laughs> we are not throwing away our shot. We're just like our county, young, scrappy, and it doesn't really work as well. This is this is Hamilton. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would chime in, but I, you know. I don't I don't know the song, so I, I can't. <laughs> But it was good. All right. Let's talk about other news at the state level. While we were running our special election, um, there were quite a few controversies and scandals surrounding our now former Governor Eric Reitens. So, you know, as I'm sure listeners know, he he, uh, was engaged in a number of scandals uh, ranging from sexual assault to campaign finance uh, violations and the legislature uh, appeared to be on track to to begin impeachment proceedings. And for months he refused to resign. And uh, just as the impeachment process looked like it was really going to begin, he resigned. And to me, it's good and bad news. You know, it is kind of bittersweet. You have on the sad side, it's sad to Uh, see that day come to our state where our governor had to resign in scandal. You know, it's the kind of thing, obviously, that we wish we could have avoided. But at the same time, it's good news because uh, he clearly had lost uh, the moral authority to lead this state. He clearly needed to go. And also it gives us hopefully an opportunity to move on and get back to doing the work of the people. For a little while, it looked like the House committee was going to continue its special investigation. And recently, um, they've announced that they're not going to move forward with that, which I, I understand he's no longer governor. That's, um, you know, something they're trying to put behind everyone. 
Um, and, you know, I don't even know if they have the authority anymore to investigate a private citizen. But I will say that there were a lot of questions raised around the dark money. Um, and specifically, he put forward pretty serious effort into dis to um, to concealing the identity of his donors. And I'd like to see greater transparency and an understanding of why, well, he, he was protecting and why he wanted to protect them and how we can make sure that that doesn't happen again in our state. Yeah, I so agree. And I, and I just, there are people out there defending the right to anonymously spend millions of dollars in politics. And I don't understand their argument. I don't get it. Why, if you want to engage in political speech, then do so openly and transparently. You know, why should you give millions of dollars to either Eric Greitens when he was a candidate, but also there was a bunch of dark money went after he was a governor and then the dark money operation continued, you know, trying to advance his agenda and attacking those who who were standing against him. And, you know, what what makes you so ashamed of your support of this political candidate or any political candidate that you feel like you need to stay in the shadows and stay anonymous? I don't get it. We really have got to move to, you know, a political system in this country where if you're, first of all, if you're even going to be allowed to spend millions of dollars in politics, which is his own, you know, problem. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to be allowed to do that, you know, why should you do it secretly? And no doubt, uh, I wish um, these investigations could continue and we could get to the bottom of, uh, of this. But at the same time, I think it's a fair point that he is a private citizen now and uh, there is, um, you know, there is something good about about moving on and 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 refocusing. But I you know, it's going to be an ongoing issue. It's not like this is going to stop with Eric Greitens. This isn't the last time right. people are going to be uh, engaged in dark money operations or in, you know, w walking the line of potentially violating campaign finance laws. And, you know, uh, we've got to at some point in this country figure out how to make democracy work a little smoother and more transparently. Agreed. But now we have Governor Mike Parson, singular, one. Yeah, right. Just, just the one Mike Parson, which people, it is tricky because mm -hmm. you've got Jim Parsons of, uh, what's the show? Big Bang Theory. Yeah, Big Bang Theory. Yeah. And he has, he's got the S, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so he's the much more famous Parson, Parsons. And so I always want to say Mike. Depends where in Missouri you're from, <laughs> Well, that's fair. So I always want to say Mike Parsons, but no, it's no S. So readers, no, listeners, take note. One Parson. Just the one Mike Parson. One Parson. By all accounts, he is a more respected traditional lawmaker. And um, I'm grateful. He, he gave a very gracious phone call to, or called me on. Tuesday, and that was a very gracious gesture. Um, and so hopefully there are opportunities to work together. But also he comes with a very, while he disagrees with Eric Greitens on certain policies, um, he also comes with a very conservative background. And I think there's a lot of disagreement with, you know, how we approach policy and what we consider to be in the best interest of the state. And so we are still very much uh, in under control of a pretty right wing conservative governor and obviously super majorities in both the House. Yeah, and, and the legislature. Still. Right. I mean, we're, you know, even with your great victory, we're still going to have a super majority Republican control and super majority House uh, Republican control in the House and Senate, unless obviously 
in November, um, some new folks get elected. And, you know, obviously we're optimistic that um, maybe that can happen. So, yeah, I mean, Governor Parson, I think in most ways will govern uh, when it comes to policy in a similar way to Governor Greitens. So I think his approach to the job might be different. His personality mm-hmm. might be different. The way he interacts with lawmakers, obviously his personal behavior, hopefully, and personal history mm-hmm. uh, are different. But in terms of actually what legislation he's going to be advocating for and what bills he'll be signing into law, I think we should expect more of the same until we have, you know, changed the people who we send to be our elected leaders. It seems very likely that Missouri is going to continue on the same path, which is why it's so important that we've taken this first step with your race. And, you know, there's a lot more to go. Yeah. If we can pick up more seats in the House and the Senate, hopefully we can you know, force people to the table to negotiate and find some common sense and common common sense policies. Mom. And we got to reelect State Auditor Nicole Galloway to right. be our um, State Auditor. That's the only statewide, uh, state level position that that is up in the fall. But that's going to be an important one. In addition to obviously Claire McCaskill, but right. Claire, of course, is running to the federal level, which has its own set of challenges uh, with with our. Leaders in Congress and in the White House. (laughs) That's a heck of a transition. Yeah. (laughs) Let's move on to the national news. So our president, Donald Trump, has begun pretty serious uh, altercations with some of our most important and long-lasting allies, uh, countries like Canada and France and the G7 summit. It's coming up and it's just an interesting situation because when he was running for office, he was proclaiming that he was going to be hard on China. Mm-hmm. He said that a lot, talked about all the things he was going to do to go after China. And uh, so it's kind of this weird new world we live in where uh, and we've seen this for a while with Donald Trump, where he's shown a lot of sort of love and affection for dictators around the world given a lot of really positive comments about how great of leaders they are, whether you're talking about Russia or China or North Korea. And so now we have this into full display where he seems to be behaving in a more favorable way to a lot of those countries than he is to allies that we've had for um, decades or hundreds of years. And so I don't know what to make of it, to be honest. It's, it's, a, it's definitely an upending of foreign policy. So if people wanted to upend foreign policy mm-hmm. and reject all of our traditional Western allies in favor of Russia and China and North Korea. I guess that's what we've got, but I don't understand the rationale behind it. Yeah. I don't understand why would we would realign ourselves with dictators who have oppressive regimes and values that very much do not comport with American values. Uh, and re- it's really not even in our best economic interest to real realign ourselves with, with those countries either. I, I I just couldn't believe when I heard him say that we should allow Russia back into what is the G7 would be the G8 without even asking for any concessions from Russia or Vladimir Putin. Yeah, that's right. And to give no rationale why um, Russia has done, they got kicked out because they invaded Crimea and They've not changed their behavior since then. In fact, they interfered with our presidential election. And so for them to 
be brought back into the fold and without any concessions made, it's just a really nonsensical thing for me. Yeah, strange. And at the same time, he's giving favorable, you know, trade deals and agreements to China at the, at the same time as he's imposing tariffs on our on our allies. And it just makes you wonder, like, what what could the long term strategy be here? You know, what is the actual objective in foreign policy from the Trump administration? And it also sort of makes you wonder if maybe there isn't one and he just kind of wings it as it goes. Um, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, that's like that's like our new our new uh, world in which we exist. And it's sort of difficult to see, you know, how we get back to a good place. You know, we've now got the leadership in Canada and France and other countries that are pretty upset with the United States right now. And I think have every right to be. And, you know, frankly, now they're talking about maybe it's going in the opposite direction of, you know, uh, Trump wants to bring Russia back in and, and go back to the G8. You know, they're talking about going in the opposite direction and going to the G6. Right. Just doing this. Yeah. Doing this without us. If we're you know, that's how we want to play. And I don't know. It's very troubling. It's disappointing to see. Um, obviously, it makes me anyway, very nervous about the upcoming North Korea summit mm-hmm. in which. Uh, we're entrusting our president to lead negotiations there. A lot on the line. You're talking the future of a nuclear North Korea or not, and you know, normalized relations or not with those uh, with that part of the world. So, and I don't know if you saw, but he declared that he didn't need to prepare for that summit. That that oh, uh, yeah, I saw. He just has enough inherent ability and knowledge that he doesn't actually need to study for <laughs> for the North Korean summit. <laughs> so, I mean, which I have my doubts about. I'll put it that way. So that's sort of the state of of international affairs right now and foreign policy is um, a lot of chaos, a lot of upending of a couple hundred years of uh, alliances and siding with dictators who don't have a lot of respect for the democratic values that we hold dear. Well, on the other hand, the same could be said of the national level. <laughs> Yeah, where Donald Trump has also he's pardoned lots of people. He's said that his ability, the power of the pardon is a a great thing uh, in the presidency. And he's used it in very notable ways recently. Perhaps most importantly, has claimed that he can pardon himself. Not that he ever would need to. Yeah, Uh, uh he's not done anything. But if the occasion arises, he can pardon himself, which if anyone has ever heard Hamilton or read the Constitution or knows anything about American history, (laughs) the whole reason our country exists is because we no longer wanted a king with absolute power. Do you remember that time that uh, President Obama and all the other past presidents also had to declare publicly that because they were facing potential criminal liability that, that they were ready to pardon themselves if necessary. Do you remember when they all did that? Um, nothing comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, it's like, do people care that this has never happened before that our president who is under investigation for all sorts of things now from uh, Russian collusion to obstruction of justice, to self-dealing within the presidency, that we now have a president of the United States of America who's declaring that he's going to, well, that he can pardon himself. And to me, that tells me that he will pardon himself if he's ever convicted of something. 
So I think you're almost always perfect. But this did happen, <laughs> and it was during the Nixon administration. Yeah. These kinds of conversations happened back. Did he declare that he was going to pardon himself? There, I don't even think Nixon did it. I don't think he did, but there was in the political public discourse conversation yeah, around it. is this possible? Well, of course, then Gerald Ford ended up ended up doing it for him. Right. Uh, it's just it's kind of sad, and I just wonder if people. Even his own supporters, if if they care that like that's where the level of discourse in our country has gone to where the conversation is the president tweeting that I have the absolute power to pardon myself. I just think it's problematic that people would accept that. Yeah. Because, again, so yeah. much of our country and our values and our history and like what we hope to achieve as a people Depends upon the idea that no one is above the law. Not, uh, he's not a king. Not a king. Yeah. Which honestly, yeah, I mean, if we were going to accept the premise that any president at any time could pardon himself for any crime, then that would be, you know, the powers of a king. Uh, you know, that would mean he could do anything and could not be held accountable under the law. Which surely we don't agree, right? Surely we don't agree that, that Donald Trump could commit any crime today. And just pardon himself and face no criminal consequences. Well, hopefully this is where we as a people, as a nation, have a responsibility to stay engaged and speak out. But also our elected officials, Republican or Democrat, need to recognize this as a serious issue. And did you see the clip with Ted Cruz? <laughs> The profile and courage. Uh, I think I've seen a couple, so tell me which one you the have The one in mind. where someone asked if he, if Donald Trump had the power to pardon himself. Yeah, and then he takes like 20 seconds just like walking down the hallway. A literal 18 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> which is an amazing time. Like, should we should we take 18 seconds on the pod right now and just have 18 seconds of yeah, blank space? Okay. Ready? Go. Okay. It's so long. Yeah, that wasn't even 18, was no, it? No, no. <laughs> it was painful. And then his response is something along the lines of, well, I've not studied that area of constitutional law. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm sure he would give Barack Obama the same benefit of the doubt if yeah. that question were asked, yeah. if the situations were similar. I'm sure. <laughs> So I didn't know if you meant that one, because, yes, that one is uh, was pretty embarrassing. Was there what another? did I see? I saw where he went to one of the, I think he went to an NBA playoff game. It was on camera at the NBA playoff game recently, just like a couple of days ago. And just his standing there And he there was just awkward. looking like Ted Cruz at, a, at an NBA <laughs> game. It was, it was awkward. <laughs> Who do you think he would say is better, LeBron or Michael Jordan? Who who would Ted Cruz choose? Yeah, I I don't I don't know. I guess he would probably choose Donald Trump, right? He's yep. he's now besties with the, which is amazing too. Because if you go back to the, the history of, of the basketball player ever, Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump would probably tell you that. Yeah, he is not short on the ego front, but yeah, it's amazing if you go back and listen to some of the things that Ted Cruz said about Donald Trump. Really strong condemnations of Donald Trump, the man saying that essentially he's a really, really bad person. You can look up the quotes online. This was back during the Republican primary. And yet now we have him sort of sadly kowtowing to 
to Donald Trump and to his supporters and just, you know, standing by him at every turn. Yeah. If someone said my dad assassinated JFK, I think there would be hard feelings for a really long time. Yeah. (laughs) But that's just me. And literally our our current president said that about his political opponent, that his father had assassinated a former president. Mm -hmm. Yep. We've kind of gone down a rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) So what else is going on in... um, in the national scene, is anything else happening? Just lots of scandals with Scott Pruitt. Too many to count. Um, yeah, there really are. And that's another one where it's amazing to me that party allegiance sort of holds on even in the face of that many different scandals to where this guy has clearly violated a lot of norms and probably laws. Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder if there's anything he could do that as long, you know, as long as he's serving the fossil fuel industry and as long as he's you know, helping to undermine the EPA at every turn, which is, I think, what he sees as his job title. As long as he continues to do that, will Republicans just stand by him no matter no matter what he does wrong? I mean, he spent $1,500 on pens, like on a dozen pens. Those must be some nice pens. Yeah, over $100 a pen. I mean, it's like, why? Well, now <laughs> I feel empowered to tell you no when you tell me to get your yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> That was another thing. He was like ordering publicly paid employees to go run his errands, basically. Yeah. Was yogurt one of them? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I had not heard that. Yogurt. There's just a lot. Interesting times. <laughs> so other sad news today. Uh, we're recording this on Friday. And this morning we learned that Anthony Bourdain um, lost his life to suicide, which... Uh, I know everybody was uh, sad and pretty uh, shocked to see earlier in the week. Kate Spade had lost her life as well. Um, And so one of the things that occurred to me was, uh, you know, that obviously is both our tragedies and they both happen at the same time as the CDC released some statistics showing a pretty marked increase in uh, the number of suicides across the country. I think it showed about a 30 percent increase over the last 20 years. Mm hmm. And especially true here in Missouri, where we were over 30%, and our neighbors to the west in Kansas uh, was even higher than that, above 40%. It just is a reminder that uh, this is a pretty serious uh, public health issue that's out there. A lot of lives are affected by it. And, you know, we as legislators and we as people have Mm -hmm. to uh, see what we can do to make some progress on this issue. Right. There, there have been a number of proposals in the legislature, but at the end of the day, I think it's important to erase a lot of the stigma attached with uh, mental health issues. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's also important to be aware and to let others know that you're there for them. And if you're struggling, that to be aware that there are others around you uh, who can help. So true. And I, and I think one of the easy things we can do, you know, if, if approaching it from the government level is, uh, you know, the CDC ran this as a study. At least most of the focus I've seen on is are the numbers and the pretty huge increase that happened over the last 20 years in this country. But, you know, we we and at the state level create a lot of task forces to look mm-hmm. at a lot of different subjects and and uh, create recommendations using experts in the field for how to how to deal with 
issues. And, you know, it seems like this is a pretty good candidate for taking a little more seriously than we have um, and really coming up with utilizing the many experts who are out there to come up with some serious policy proposals to try and at least in this state where we're above average uh, in the country for the suicide rate Mm -hmm. to try and actually solve the problem. And that might end up being a lot of different things, right? You've got mental health, um, you've got access uh, to care, Mm -hmm. you know, ultimately firearms are going to be a part of the discussion at some level Mm -hmm. because part of the CDC's study showed that about uh, 50% of all uh, suicides are with firearms. So there's a lot to to talk about, and I certainly don't have all the answers sitting here now, and I I don't think either of us do, but hopefully they're on a day like this, there can at least be a, a you know a commitment to to doing something and to to really engaging on the issue. Yep, and I hope it's part of the dia- dialogue and conversation, not just today, but every day going forward. So. Agreed. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll do another podcast. It's all John's fault that we haven't been podcasting <laughs> lately. Am I the one who's been running for? for uh the state senate oh well um you've, lauren's you've been just busy. had a very busy schedule <laughs> lauren so. has been busy winning this election and we are all grateful for it i know everybody listening to this podcast is grateful for it so again thank you lauren for helping us uh taking us in a better direction and yeah let's start doing some more podcasts sounds good it all sounds right. like we might have another special session to address the lieutenant governor we do need a new lieutenant governor so I think you should do it. (laughs) Should I run? (laughs) We'll talk about that on the next pod.